Welcome to Home Design Chat with Nancy. Are you remodeling or building your dream home? We will chat about everything from the ceilings to the floors and everything in between. Any questions you might have about anything that we talk about today can be emailed to me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. And this podcast is being brought to you by Premier Lighting. Well, today is May 13th, and I have a special guest. I have my paint guru, Mike Wells. Mike, thanks for joining me. Good to be here, Nancy. Hopefully, we are going to answer the questions that everybody has about what they're going to do for their uh, paint um, task as far as painting their house. Or even if they get somebody to paint their house for them, and I would not do it myself, by the way, um, they should know a little bit about what's going on, right? Oh, I definitely. Don't ever depend on the painter. Do your homework. Definitely. So my first question to you is, what should we know about painting our walls? What do we have to know before we do it? Well, basically, you want to know exactly your colors. You want to know how to prep your walls. And you want to be able to have a good feel for your home. Because you remember, the paint accents all your belongings, from your artwork to your furniture. And lighting is very key when getting ready to paint your house. Definitely lighting. But, uh, yes, the paint is important, and it's also the least expensive thing that you can do to have a new look in your house, right? That is correct. So let's just assume that everybody's going to hire a painter, but I still think it's important for them to know when you said to prep the walls, what should their painter be doing to prep the walls before he paints so that they know, the homeowner knows, that he didn't skip anything? Well, first thing you want to make sure is you're painting a clean surface. A lot of times when we used to paint homes, we would TSP the walls. That would guarantee that your paint would have a very good bond to the wall. Okay, do you also do that to the baseboards, the ceilings, and everything? No, usually not the ceilings, but the baseboards are really important because the baseboards get a lot of the wear and tear of the house. So it is very important to clean your surfaces first before you apply a coat of paint. Okay. And then the next thing I would think is to check for any cracks in the walls. Yes. You definitely want to fill in all your cracks. You want to go ahead and uh, fill in all your nail holes. A lot of times when we used to paint, if your artwork was going to go back, I would ask the question, do we need to fill the nail hole or do we leave the nail so we know that that's where the picture would be rehung back in place? Good point. And then um, the other thing is the sanding of the patching, which is another one of my unfavorite things. How if they don't get it perfectly smooth, if they do have a smooth wall, because maybe it's an orange peel or it's a texture, but even if it is an orange peel or a texture, how do they sand it down if there's a crack so that it matches the rest of the finish? Well, basically, you're going to fix the crack first, and then you are going to put a smooth drywall over the top, and then you're going to have to rematch that texture. They do make little cans that you can use that match texture from orange peel to a knockdown. The hand skip, you can usually match your texture. If you have a good drywall guy, he can match that real fast. That's the key, the good drywall guy? A good drywall or guy. Or a very good painter. And that's where I say, I'm not doing this. Let somebody else do it. I'll pay them. Okay, so now we've got the walls prepped, but before we got a painter to prep the walls, oh, and I forgot about the most important thing, masking with that tape. Yes, and there's various types of tapes. 
the blue tapes are usually used if you're going to be painting a very delicate surface. So if we were going to paint and we do your baseboards and your doors first, since we already have painted that surface, we're going to use a blue tape over the top of that. So when we go to back mask off it, we're not going to peel that fresh paint off it. Also, blue tapes are good to be used around your cabinets because they have the varnish finishing. And sometimes your floors, uh, with the hardwood floors or your tile floors, there's usually a, a finish on those. It would be recommended to put blue tape over that so when you release it, you're not pulling up that finish. So if you use the regular old 3M masking tape, there's a possibility that you'll rip the finish right off the furniture or the cabinetry. Uh -huh. I've done that before. <laughs> Believe me, I know what not to do now, but I not still... Not an easy fix. Right. I mean, still, I would hire somebody. Okay, so before we hire the painter, we've gone to the paint store to pick the colors. So oh, the dreaded walk into the paint store and look yeah. at the color center. Yeah. Well, there's what? Over 10,000 colors to pick from? Oh, it, probably that's the start. So how do we start? Well, you have to narrow it down. I always told people, let's do your homework first. Find out what you like. Look at the magazines. A lot of people give you pictures of magazines. They have a color in mind. But you have to be careful because the color of the magazine isn't truly what the color is going to look like. But it gives me an idea to see what kind of paint you like because the magazine might say this is some gray and you pick the color chip up and it's nowhere near with the magazine because it's a printed color. Right. And I usually, when I design for people, I'll say, what colors don't you like? It's easy because then I can stay away from whether they say, I hate green or I don't like yellow. Well, we've eliminated a lot of those You've colors right off the bat. a lot of that, that paint board. So they bring in, or the other thing they should do is bring in a pillow with a print or a color they're trying to match. Not that, well, I think they could match it exactly, but would you really want to? It's better to have some sort of maybe a different hue, a different uh, te a different contrast. Uh, what am I trying to say? Oh, no, different contrast. Because yeah. if it's a darker uh, material that you like, you definitely want to go a little bit lighter on that color to make that pillow or that artwork or the vase or whatever you're right. choosing. But you know that technical out. term, matchy matchy. You don't want to do matchy matchy, and then everything becomes so boring. So now there's so many things to know before you pick out the paint. Uh, one of them is the kind of paint it is, oil base, water base. What, where should they use what? Well, oil base is becoming a paint of the past because of our environmental laws. It's really hard to find oil-based paints anymore. Oil base was really good because for the amateur, you could brush it with a brick and it would level so beautifully it looked like it had been painted by a pro. But oh. it smelled. Um, it took 30 days to totally cure. It was just, it, I think, because of the odor and lighter colors would yellow over a period of time. Well, and also cleaning those paintbrushes was a pain oh, in the neck. You needed paint thinner and everything else. And then it got on your skin and you had to use the turpentine to get it off your skin. I've been there. Been yeah, there. See? I know. So when they started saying, no, water base, wash your paintbrush with water, I was in. They got me on that one. And it's nice, too, because it really forced the manufacturers to do a much better job with their products and water base and the low VOCs and everything else. Let's and explain low VOC. A low VOC, um, the technical term is volatile organic compound. That's a VOC. That's what's released in the air um, after you paint because every paint will release its 
it's uh, liquids and the solids is what's left behind on the wall. And also that's what makes it smell so bad. That's what makes it smell. So with a low VOC, it, they've taken all that odor out because it's less gas being released off that paint. So that's one important item to tell your painter when he goes to get the paint, you specify to him you want this color by this brand and you want it to be low VOC or no VOC if uh, they have that. If the odor is effective, because honestly, if by taking more of that VOC out, you've actually lost a little bit of strength in your paint. But do you know anybody who doesn't mind the smell of paint? Come on. Paint never bothered me. Because you're in the business. <laughs> but for the most part, especially if you have animals or kids, you know, don't put them through that horrible smell. Um, I wanted to ask you about painting walls, baseboards, doors, and trim and ceilings, either all one color or should they have their own color or where do we go with that? Well, that's going to be um, up really up to the individual. I know I like my ceilings to be a little bit lighter than my walls. I like my doors to be a little bit lighter than my walls. But I have done all. I've painted everything the same color. I have painted the ceilings sometimes darker than the walls. And right now there was a fad going on there for a while where people like their doors darker than their walls. And actually it looked really nice. The doors darker than their walls? Mm -hmm. Oh, I haven't seen that. I do notice that the ceilings, and somebody coined this, it's your fifth wall. So bring it to light, not not a light color, but put some interest on the ceiling, whether it's a wallpaper, which I know is a no-no to you, but also you can bring a color in. You know, if you're doing a lighter walls, you've got interesting furniture, there's a little spot of blue, you can do the ceiling blue and bring it in. Yes. And it doesn't matter whether it's an 8-foot ceiling or a 12-foot ceiling. That is correct, but always keep your ceilings flat unless they're in the bathroom. Ah, that was my other question. So, flat. Flat for ceilings always. Why? Well, because ceilings with the new higher walls that we have and a lot of the light, if you paint your ceilings flat, it takes all that little bit of imperfection out because your ceilings will have a little bit of a, a wave to them when they installed the drywall and the texture. Well, I was told there was never a perfect ceiling or wall. That Never. is true. Yeah, so I haven't seen one yet. Well, that's why they put texture on the walls, right? To cover up the imperfections. Yes, uh, but you know, smooth wall drywall is becoming real popular, and it's a nice look. It's real soft, and we're changing a lot of the um, the textures out and making a more smooth wall. It costs more money because you have to touch the wall five to six times. You also to, have to find somebody who's good at it. You have to find the really good drywall, or not everybody can do a smooth wall. Absolutely not. So, say we painted the walls a dark gray then the the doors could either be a lighter gray, you're saying, or it could be white. Or it could be white, or it could even be black. The doors be black with yes, gray walls? with the gray walls. That would oh, be I sharp, too. think about that one. But I did want to say that you can really control the feel and look of your room by coordinating the colors. For instance, if you had... Oh, medium or dark walls, no matter what, as long as they're darker than the white that you're going to put on the baseboard and the doors, you automatically get that cottage look or that transitional look. Yes. Now, if we wanted to go contemporary, we'd probably paint the baseboard and the doors real close to the wall color. 
Yeah, you're going to use a different sheen. So yeah, with right. the semi-gloss, it'll, it'll give it an appearance of being a little lighter. And if you're going to do a velvet or an eggshell on the wall, it would, it would well, reflect a Well, you're getting a ahead darker. of me. I was going to talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to talk about lighting on your walls. Uh, you know, lighting is so important. So when you bring your little swatches into your room to see what color you're going to go with, it's so important to look at this swatch under the correct light. Number one, daylight is important, but also if you have any track lighting or can lighting, that's important to look at your swatch under that light. And if it's an incandescent light and it's casting yellow, then you want to change out your light bulbs. Which brings me to the point of going into shoppremier.com, getting Premier's phone number, asking the people over there if they would help you with your lighting because you're going to be painting your walls and you want to know about LEDs, you want to know about what the perfect light is for the room and what you're trying to accomplish. So go into shoppremier.com and don't be afraid to switch over to LEDs if you're still with that old-fashioned incandescent lights because guess what, folks? They're going to be in the garbage and you won't be able to get them anymore, so there. So now back to the finishes, because I have a whole list of finishes, and when I pick paints, the painter usually goes, well, what do you want? Do you want velvet? Do you want eggshell? So you tell me. We started with flat before, and you said it's always for the ceiling. Now, does anybody other than a track builder put flat on the walls? Well, um, there are some designers that do like flat. They love that softness of that flat look, but it's really going to be up to the individual because if you look at paint and you open your hand up like a number five, the flatter it is, it's the low point of every finger because the light is going to reflect off it. Well, if dirt gets down there and you're scrubbing the top, you're not going to be able to clean that wall very well with a flat paint. But That's but, what I always heard. Mm -hmm. So it's not as cleanable. Correct. And as you start closing that fingers up, it starts, you know, the dirt gets less down into the areas. And that's where you're coming up with your velvets, your eggshells, your satins, your semi-gloss, your full gloss. And a full gloss is basically keeping your hand all together. And that whole top would just be nothing but a layer of paint. And it would be very, very shiny. So a full, well, okay. So a velvet and an eggshells, very similar, right? It, Kind of gives you a, a sheen, but not overwhelming. It will reflect light. Correct. Okay. And then your semi-gloss, that would be good for your doors for the most part and your door frames and your baseboard. Correct, because it dries very hard. Yes, I did pass mm -hmm. the course, <laughs> which I've taken many times. So you were saying about cleaning flat. Well, my first house, I decided to be really super-duper Miss Mrs. Clean, and I used 409. And I got the paint right off the wall. It'll take it off. So what does somebody use to wash their walls, especially if their kids mark it up with something? Well, start right off the bat with soap and water. Um, if that doesn't clean it off, you have um, the Magic Eraser. Sometimes works really well, but sometimes that will burnish the finish also. Uh, there are some new wipes. Uh, I think uh, I was in Home Depot and saw bare swipes that don't take the actual finish off the paint, and it will clean the walls. But I think right off the bat, I would try to stay away from chemicals and just start with just some soap and water and a when little bit of When you say soap and grass. water, you mean like dish soap? Yeah. Dawn or Dawn something or like something that. like that. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, we brought up a good point. If you happen to scrub a little too hard and the paint comes off, can they touch it up, or is it 
do they have to do the whole wall? Um, there's the tricky part. Uh, if it's a flat, flats usually touch up quite well, and that's why the builders always liked the flats is because when they did their one-year punch, the painter could get in and out ah, really fast. good to know. When you start getting into your velvets and your eggshells, the sheens will slowly die down over a period of time. So when you put your paint on the wall and let's say you've already been there for three, four months, that sheen has died down slightly and you get your trusty little paint out and you mix it up and you go to put it on the wall and it's a lot shinier and you're like, wow, it doesn't touch up. That's because the sheen isn't died down on the new as it has on the old. There's tricks to do that. A good painter will know how to feather that back, or sometimes you have no choice but to go edge to edge. Depending on how much window light you got hitting on that wall, if it's usually in a dark corner or a shadow, they usually touch up a little bit nicer. So I know that when your house gets painted or whether it's a remodel or new construction, they always put the paint cans in the garage in case you need to touch up. But how long is that paint good for? Well... What kills paint is air and oxy- or oxygen and um, basically um, heat. So if you're going to keep it in the garage and it only has a can and it's only half full, you're going to get a little rust buildup on the top, which, by the way, rust is an actual colorant. So when you go to mix that in, you're actually adding a little bit more red oxide with your oh, paint. Oh, yeah, I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you, and you actually change the color that way. I did, way. Mm-hmm. and that went in the garbage. Uh, usually if it's full, I've opened up cans of paint that's been in people's garages for 5, 10, 15 years, and they're still good because it's full and no air has gotten into that and can. And sealed well. And sealed well. To prevent that rust, if you could really seal that lid down and you turn it over upside down, your paint uh, now is blocking that entry point. And good that'll point. Keep, so and that'll keep the rust from you know, developing. So store your paint cans upside down, but make sure that they're closed, closed pretty well. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll have a mess. And if you can keep converting down to smaller cans, like, you know, you can all your paint stores have smaller, like, little quart cans and things like that, just to get them as full as you can. Because the five-gallon bucket with, like, a quart of paint in it, it's not going to last you more than, I don't know, a week before it goes bad. Yeah. I always recommend when somebody's not sure about the color to go get a couple of colors. And so what's the smallest um, amount of paint they can buy? They have those new little eight-ounce jars. And, you know, that just gives you an idea of color. Yeah, but don't think you're going to use yeah, the whole Yeah, because the colorants are broke down so much into those that uh, it's, if you get that perfect color and you go to put that in a regular paint where maybe it only took a half a drop of yellow to make this color in this little guy because of the way it would had to break down, it's not going to be the true. If you really want to get a true representation, I say start with a quart. Okay, so they get a quart, maybe pick three colors. Now, if you're going to pick more than that, you're going to be then you're really going to be confused. You yeah. won't know which color. Yeah. But we were talking about uh, colors before. And I wanted to say the grays. The grays are coming in a little muddy. Now, how many grays to pick from? Maybe a 1,000? Oh, easily. There's the blue gray, the green gray. But the the true gray, I think, is going out this year, folks. So now it's what is a muddy gray? It's like uh, mud in the gray. It's like that driftwood yeah, that you see. Which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a mushroom, right? Yeah, Mushroom exactly. color. Mm-hmm. A little bit away from the taupe. The taupe seems to have a little more yellow in it. Yeah, a little more reds, a little more yellows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There were more earth tones. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, anyway, the, the grays, what I was starting to say, if they get samples and you like the muddy gray, don't even look at the blue gray or the green gray. You'll get confused. Yes. If you have to, stay with the muddy gray and maybe three different tones of it. Put it on the wall in the place where the light's going to hit it. Hold your fabric against it or whatever you have, your picture, and then decide on it that way. I think that's probably the easiest way. Yeah, and, and honestly, because people go up to the big paint center and they'll see all the grays, and everybody has a new brochure they're handing you with all the grays, and the grays are from blue to white to orange. Yeah. And you might look at one and say, oh, no, that's too brown. But that one might be the one you want. You can't tell by a swatch, really. Well, you can talk to a color expert, and they could help you because it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times uh, what, I, what I would do is I would walk in, and first thing I would do is look at the floor. Well, they got a gray in that floor, and that's what they really want. And you could take these swatches, and you can just put it right down on the floor. And the best way to do it is if you see that little vein of gray you like, and you put the paint swatch down and hold up a number two sign and just block out between the paint chip and that little piece of gray, and that'll show you how close you are. And then sometimes you could throw that chip right down on the floor, and you see blue. Well, definitely stay away from that because oh, your, yeah. your walls are going to go blue, even though it looks gray in any other lighting. I've been doing this for a long time, and when I get my fan deck and I go to the house, I think, yeah, I can pick out a color. <laughs> and then you hold it against something where you open it up and you're in the room that's going to be painted. Even experts, and I'm not saying I'm an expert, they you still have to play with the charts and still see what and, is going to work. It in because backsplashes, everything, everything makes a big key. Oh, yeah. And take into consideration the color of your cabinets if you're doing kitchen bathrooms, the color of your floor, the color of your uh, backsplash, the color of the wood in the room. The color of your drapes. Yeah. You leave them open. you got green grass on the outside. That green's going to come in and affect your color. But And I always tell people... Where do you start? I start with the colors I look best in. And so, and I've said this before, if you're listening to my podcast at all, stay away from those colors that you don't look good in. I don't care what happens with your husband and his looks, but if you look good against navy blue or a certain blue or uh, certain grays, go for it. I agree. Yeah, that's, that's the best way to start a color palette. Okay, so now what if we end up doing the work ourselves, God forbid, because I would never do this. Um, What is the most important thing before we, as unprofessional painters, what do we do? Well, first thing you want to do is you make sure you, if you're walking anywhere, you're walking on a piece of plastic. Make sure you drape off that floor quite well because what will happen, you might have a drop cloth under you and you start painting and you drip and you walk on that drip and you don't have any idea that drip's on and you walk into the kitchen because you're going to get a drink of water or whatever, that paint's on the bottom of your foot. Next thing you know, you got a little paint track going. So over mask is the, the main well, thing. Well, I noticed that the professional painters use canvas, so that's not necessary. But they should get a heavy-duty plastic because I've gotten some of the thin plastics. They're just as bad as just getting saran wrap for pizza. Yes, you got you got to at least get a mill to over a mill down if you're going to put down on floor plastic. Yeah, and I always, I sound like I've painted a lot, and I haven't, but the few times that I have, I always start out with the intention, I'm not going to drip. <laughs> now, when I get it in my hair, and it's on my face, and it's on my arms, and God, my clothes are covered, it looks like I'm a professional painter, I think, okay, I shouldn't be doing this. 
But the second thing I would think would be the tools that they use. Yes. How important is that? And well, if for anybody that's ever goes out and buys cheap sunglasses and all of a sudden they spurge and get a real pair of nice sunglasses, you don't go back to cheap. Paint tools are the same. Once you experience a nice paintbrush and you're, you're, you know, you get a nice roller cover, get a nice sheepskin roller cover, and that'll prevent the splat back on you. You'll be a little bit cleaner painter. It oh, holds. so if you use a, what is it? Um, a lamb's wool. One of those nice fuzzy ones. One of the nice fuzzy those ones. Those are better than the flatter ones. Well, no, your naps are different. They make lamb's wool as a real lamb's wool hair. So it absorbs the paint better and it releases the paint on the wall with less splatter coming back. Oh, I didn't know that. Your cheap ones, the, you know, they, they don't absorb the paint very well. And then when you start rolling, it splatters back on you. Yeah. Well, how do we know when to use a brush versus a roller? Well, if you have a, a large surface, it's obviously going to be easier to roll it. But your brush is going to be a cutting in around, say, your ceiling the flat, and you're going to do your wall eggshell, or you're going to cut in around your doors or your baseboards. You're going to want to cut you want all to explain that in. Cutting in, for me? cutting in is when you take your brush, and uh, we don't normally tape off our surfaces. We'll we have good eyes and good straight lines. Just but show off, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have good. to show why we charge so much money. Yeah, right. <laughs> But in, in your brushes, the better your brushes, when you dip into them, it's going to release more paint. So you're going to be dipping in less. You're going to be actually painting and flowing out more. And it's going to level nicer. It, it's just nice tools. You don't see a painter with cheap tools because it, it, it makes the job. Definitely. So we should, as unprofessionals, we should get the best paintbrushes and the best rollers that we can thinking that we're going to keep them clean for the next job or give them away to our neighbor because we've not You're done with painting. Right, right. Cause and we're not always do that return anymore. your brushes to the cover because if you leave them in the paint can, you're going to train your brush and it's going to have a big dip in it. You just wasted $15, $16 on a paint. Does it work when you wash your brush and then, and then wrap it in saran wrap? If you're going to continue, if you're going to continue painting, that's a good way to keep it, you know, moist and clean. So you're going to continue. But usually when you clean your brush at the end of the day, you're going to dip it in water and you're going to spin it dry. You're going to release all that water and that paint out of the filament. And then what? You're going to put it right back in its cover because the cover is the shape of the brush, and it's going to keep it from flaring out on you. And so what if it's not 100% dry and you put it in the cover? Well, it's going fine. to stay damp. You no, know, because the covers, they're not 100% waterproof. I mean, they're still going to be fine. And when you're spinning them dry, you got quite a bit of the moisture out of them. I, I got to admit, I do buy very good brushes for my makeup. That's about as far as I'm going to go with and that. And you're spending a lot on paint. <laughs> you might as well take the money you're spending on the paint and invest in a little bit of better tools and make your job look nicer. There. So I hope everybody uh, is taking those hints to heart. Or go get yourself a really good painter. So I've got a couple of more questions, and these are important. What if... I don't care who puts the paint on the wall. What if it comes out streaky, whether it's the professional painter or the homeowner? What do we do? Well, you're going to have to let that dry, and you're going to have to put a second coat over the top to smooth it out. Usually streaky is either the paint didn't mix right and the colorants are floating or it's too thin or you just didn't put it on long enough. But you're going to have to let it dry and put a second coat on to hide the Is the second coat always a necessity? I know they got these guaranteed one coat paints now. I'm I'm still old school. I'm I'm a two coat guy. I'd rather do two thin nice coats than one thicker coat and 
hoping that it, you know, yeah. that it works. What if you're painting uh, that nice muddy gray over burgundy? What do you have to do? Well, most of the time, um, and, and your more money paints, they do cover a lot nicer. Um, like if you're going from dark walls to lighter walls, the more you spend on your paint, you wouldn't have to prime. But if you're really getting into the cheaper paints, I would definitely probably prime that uh, burgundy wall with maybe a gray primer first and then put your muddy gray over the top. Okay, or you can, but it costs more money, you can buy a paint with a primer in it. In it, and it'll cover that, that Do, wall. Would that take two, typically, two coats? It would probably take coats? a good two coats, yeah. Oh, that's good to know another reason why I wouldn't do this. Okay, uh, what if you paint the wall and you don't like the color because you didn't really think ahead and think that that little swatch that's two by two or four by four um, is really going to be different when you paint the whole wall. So now... What do they do? Well, you know, if you did a little homework at the beginning, eh, or you really well, you like can't to paint. say I, I told <laughs> you, you so. Or you like to paint because you're going to be repainting that wall to the color you There's like. There's nothing they can do now. What if they paint the wall and they still got two gallons left? Do they? then go to the store and say, add some white to this, or can I trade this in, or what do they do? Well, most paints aren't returnable after you mix them. I always suggest to people, you know, start with, you know, I'm going to look at your project and say, I'm probably going to need about 10 gallons, but even me as the professional, I'm going to start with a five, Mm -hmm. see how far that gets me, and then bring it up. Um, I always like to leave a gallon left over for my customer, so sometimes if I know it's going to take eight or nine, I'm just going to buy a couple fives. What's the guarantee that you buy five gallons and then you need another five and it's going to match exactly? Well, you know, with the new tinting process that most of these paint companies have with the computer tintings and stuff, uh, it's pretty it's pretty accurate. Okay. Um, important question. I know I've asked people in the industry, what do you think about this color? And they go, well, you put that color on the wall, it's going to turn. Now, how do we as unprofessionals know and how do you know that a color is going to turn? Well, I'm, I've been in the business a long time and I've seen a lot of colors and I've talked to a lot of people. So it's from experience. It's from experience, just looking at a color and knowing what's in that color and what makes that color. I could tell if it's going to err on the pink side or the blue side. But the biggest thing is, like I said, just put that swatch up against the color you're looking at that your idea of gray is going to be different than mine. And you see your gray. And like I said, you put that paint swatch on it and you're already going to see, okay, I see the pink coming out. It's going to air pink. Or I see the blue. It's going to air blue. And really just by doing your homework and, and really getting into that area of what is the gray I want and there's something you see to make it the gray you want and that's how you're going to find out if that chip is going to be what you exactly. want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. With all these years experience I'm now able to say oh I can see the blue in that color or the yellow. Nobody else agrees with me but I can see it. So if you're picking out a color and you're not happy with it and your friends like it hey they're not going to live in the house. Pick out the color that you like. And don't ask the husband because in my years of experience I think 98% are colorblind because as we would pick out the color, the wife would say, huh? oh, what do you think? He goes, I don't know. I'm colorblind. Well, uh, how many admit it? <laughs> I think they just don't want to be part of the process. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wouldn't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my one last question. Actually, I have two questions. So, Mike, what is the most popular color for 2019? Well, I'm going to say it's your muddy grays from what I've been doing. I mean, we've 
painted um, from Sherwin Williams grays to Dunn Edwards grays to Bear grays to Benjamin Moore. I'm, I don't see a stop in the grays, and they're usually the more muddier ones, more the driftwood, as we were talking about. So, but have we gone away from the beige and the sand tones? Yes. Oh, thank God. Yes. Okay. Well, then my next question was, what colors to stay away from? And I would say the beiges and the sand tones, and the I, yellows. And I listened to your uh, podcast, and you said coral was the color of the year, and I would say stay away from coral. Oh, so would I. <laughs> and as I said before, you pick the color that you look good in, right? Do you Correct. agree? I would agree with that. Mike, you have been so knowledgeable in this. We might have to get you back here. I'm always... Be happy to come back. This was fun. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Did you have fun? Oh, I had a great time. Good, good. So I hope everybody, um, well, get your paintbrush out. If you have any questions, you can always email me, and I'll pass them on to Mike. In the meantime, if you did enjoy these this podcast or any of my other podcasts, please tell your friends. They're so easy to listen to, and you learn a lot about everything for your home. So you can, don't forget, email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. But more importantly, you can download the app to your phone. And I talk to people all the time, and they actually listen to these podcasts while they're driving and or if they're putting their makeup on or if they are waiting at the doctor's office, you can use earphones, or you can have the doctor listen to them too. But you can download for your iPhone or your Android, and then you can look for Home Design Chat with Nancy. And then you subscribe. And then every new podcast, which is published every single week, will be on your phone. So in the meantime, I hope you do that. I hope you have a great week. And uh, keep listening. Thanks a lot.